Hello and welcome to the third episode of Story Scream Reports, the show we do that covers the top stories in film, TV, and entertainment of the month. If this is your first time joining us, it's a news show, but we don't break the news, we react to the news in the world of the things I just said. The movie news, the TV news, who's fucking, who's directing, who's fucking the director. We're not talking about Don't Worry Darling (laughs) this month, so you don't have to worry about that. But I have an exciting show lined up, some new terms, new terminology, you know, episode three, still figuring it out, still massaging the membrane of this puppy, this little dog that I've that I've birthed from the goo, and now I'm his goo dog dad. And I'll talk. I'm sure I'll talk more about him later. But I'm Robbie, <laughs> your host, and I'm joined by uh, her first appearance on Story Screen Reports. You know her from other Story Screen podcasts. I like to pull from from the pool of the talent that we got, and no one else. I don't want, you know, if you haven't done at least 150 podcasts, you get the, you get the fuck get out, out of here. here. I don't want to talk to you. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I'm joined by Bernard Gorman-White. How are you, Bern? Hello. I'm great. How are you? Great. I'm great. Clearly, I'm bringing, I'm, you know, I'm bringing the heat. Yeah. Stories from reports, fiery, talking about the news. I'm going to sip my coffee. Please fill the time with whatever you want to say. Well, I am very looking forward to... Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> to meeting your goo dog and hanging out with your goo dog mm. for this next hour while we talk about these news stories. You know, when you when you say it, it sounds bad. It sounds bad? <laughs> well, now, now when I'm hearing it said back to me, I'm like, maybe goo dog sounds like a euphemism for something I don't like. I don't oh, know. I hadn't thought about that. It's, you know, it's a new term. We haven't figured it out. We haven't, figured we it haven't out. gone everywhere <laughs> with goo dog. Uh, story Screen Reports. How does the show work i select five news stories in the world of entertainment not not poly science not science not the other stuff just in movies and shit like that i select five stories out of the month uh this episode is happening a little bit earlier than the um we normally, we normally do it the last week of the month but uh you know we wanted to give uh diana and mike some time to do uh, exciting episode that they have at the end of the month uh you'll hear more about that later but we uh so we take those stories i read the headline of the stories who wrote it and i read an excerpt from said article on this new story and then me and Bern are going to react to that so in previous episodes i referred to this list of stories as the docket but i'm still figuring out the terms but from henceforth this will now be referred to as the real. This is like maybe in that pause, that exciting pause, maybe I would put in like, you know, like the sound of a movie reel. Like, I like that. Yeah, maybe I'll talk to Mike about it. If you don't hear that sound as this episode is posted, then I forgot and we didn't. But, <laughs> you know, it's a play on like a, a news reel, a movie reel. That's how movies used to be shown on that little spinny disc guy. You know. Yeah. Before we ever would fucking... Did we, I mean, I guess in our lifetime, maybe we see movies on a reel, right? When we were, like, yeah. youths? Yeah, of course. Probably, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah, my brother worked at a local movie theater in the town adjacent to ours. And yeah, he was a projector man. And he had to change those reels. 
You had to do it. Yeah, fun jobs. Now it's all now it's all done with these fucking computers. Yeah, yeah not nearly as exciting, but probably much more reliable. Hard to say. Probably convenient. Conve- I mean, convenient. our time working in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Our <laughs> time working in the movie theater with a digital projector had enough problems. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> you add technology so to anything imagine. and it, yeah. you're going to run into issues. I can't imagine if we had to like also worry about like this hulking machine that right. has a spinning thing in it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, the first story on the reel is we're going to... Talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie official teaser trailer. Uh, this came out uh, at the beginning of the month. You know, the big thing that people are talking about, Chris Pratt. What is he doing here? Do we even like him? Do we hate him? I don't know. I never realized that Chris Pratt was such a controversial figure until this movie was announced. Um, but we finally got the trailers from Illumination Studios. Uh, it's coming out April 7th, 2023. But uh, Bernadette, what were your thoughts on the Super Mario Brothers trailer? Movie. Hmm. Movie trailer. Yes. Movie trailer. Movie Movie trailer trailer, teaser. Teasing some movie trailer. Movie movie trailer. (laughs) Movie trailer. Um, Yeah. I I just don't know who they're making a Super Mario Brothers movie for. Mm, Um, it's, It's not that... I mean, I love Super Mario, and I grew up playing Super Mario. We had an NES when I was younger. So definitely played a lot of Super Mario 3. Uh, that one I know like the back of my hand, pretty much. Right. And obviously growing up with the monstrosity of that Mario Brothers movie, the live action one, <laughs> is uh, yeah. great. And I love how bonkers and wild that movie is. But watching the trailer for this movie, I like these characters, obviously. But watching right. the teaser... It just kind of looks like almost any other kid movie to me. It doesn't really necessarily look like a Mario movie. It's it's just like a children's film that has a Mario skin, maybe. Right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you didn't know that Chris Pratt was uh, in I the news. I guess like I did. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. I knew that. Like he for a while had been kind of. Uh, you know he's he's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, yes. and he like has been a part of like, I think a really problematic church yeah. uh, where he lives. And he also like, you know, just his persona has kind of changed since like, as like the goofy parks and rec guy. And then like, I think past star Lord, that's when things got like weird. Um, you know, after he got buff as we all, you know, and once we all get buff, we become very conservative. Yeah. Uh, we all suck. Yeah. We all get really bad once we buff out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, so like I knew he was, but, like, I just kind of like, didn't really, I don't know. It was just kind of like, he seems weird, but, like, in the pantheon of weird celebrities, it was kind of benign to me. Sure. But then, but then, like, you know, when he gets announced as Mario, people are just, like, not fucking today. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, And then the voice. The thing is also, like, is he going to be doing an offensive Italian-American accent? <laughs> that, was, that was the thing we all were worrying about. And, uh, you know... I think the real test in this movie was, like, how do you make these really iconic actors that you know how they sound play these roles of characters who barely speak? Right. Um, I think the standout is, uh, in this, in this you, know, tra- you know, in this teaser, we'll see when the movie comes out, but I think the standout is Jack Black as Bowser. Yeah. I think he... He's so cool. Per- I think he's, like, 
perfect. And like, yeah. and, and I think that he's perfect in a way where, like, you, know, you watch Kung Fu Panda, he sounds like Jack Black. But in this, he sounds like Bowser. Right. And I think that's like, or like what you think Bowser would sound like. I think that's really cool. And honestly, it's, you know, we only get two, really a few voices. Uh, you know, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad and, and maybe even Captain Toad specifically, mm. which is cool. But I think he voices all of the Toads in the movie. Um, I think he does a great job. But I, I do think Chris Pratt's Mario is good. Does he sound Italian or does he sound like New York? Uh, I, I don't know. It's ambiguous <laughs> at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, he really only puts like a little bit of flair on the character voice at the very end right. of... The trailer where he says Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Here we come. Yeah, that's like the only yeah. part where he really changes up his voice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I know that there's always the conversation going around when it comes to voice actors that now celebrities have really like thrown their voices in the ring. And now when animated yeah. movies are getting made, more often than not, they're looking for names to sell the film. When you've had these amazing voice actors you know, devote their lives to being voice actors. And now they're kind of getting overlooked for a glitzier, bigger name to draw a lot of people to these movies. So I understand that argument. I think kids movies, classic ones that like we grew up with animated films, like we didn't know who those voice actors were, you know, like they were not big names. They might be big names if you were a voice actor nerd or an animation nerd at the time. But when you're a child, that doesn't matter. Um, and you don't know these names. These You could hear the names of people who were in like almost any Disney movie from that era. And unless you are tracking that information, you're not going to know who they are. So, to f- Yeah, it's not like James Earl Jones is pulling in the adults either. <laughs> right, sure. Like, it doesn't, it, like, it's cool that he's in there, but it doesn't, like, matter. Like, in, in like, Lion King, for example, right. at the time. Right. Yeah. So, I can understand that conversation. And I do tend to agree that I think voice actors should be getting more work because it's their job. But as of late, so many celebrities have wanted to be voice actors and coming into that realm and doing animated films, especially as they have children. They want to do these cool movies for their kids to get to watch and enjoy. And I think that's really fun. But yeah, if we're going to come for Chris Pratt getting this role, yeah, like this whole movie is stacked with more along the lines like traditional actors. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a slippery slope if we're going to be like, well, Chris Pratt shouldn't have gotten this role. Maybe it should have gone to a, a voice actor. And then it's like, well, then who else? Mm. But it does seem like the other people are putting more work so in his... to like yeah. embody I mean, we'll the voice. See. Yeah. When the movie proper comes out, that's when we'll really know. Right. 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 But I think it's still about with Chris Pratt. It's it's mostly due to his like, you know, he has a little bit of a stink around him yeah. from his life's choices even though there was an article that came out that he was like i'm not really sure why people think i'm like super religious but i'm like i also think there's a lot of stuff that you go to like a mega church dude like i don't really know so i can't speak too much on that yeah but i also think you know some people were annoyed that uh you know mario had a voice actor voice him for many years right um but i think he's in the movie as like a different role i think you're right which makes me assume that he gave it his blessing so I don't think that we need to be too, you know, the royal we need to be too fucking <laughs> self-righteous about sure. him not being Mario in the movie, you know. But it happens. Even in, like, a, there's a game, I don't know if you're familiar with the Metal Gear Solid series of video games. I am familiar, yes, but I have not played. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's mad, There's a ton of Metal Gear Solid games. Um, 
there's hasn't been any in a long time because the creator and the uh, publisher had a falling out. Mm. But so we get to Metal Gear Solid Five, and before Metal Gear Solid Four down all the spinoffs, Solid Snake was voiced by David Hayter, and then Metal Gear Solid Five comes out, and he's voiced by Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone's like, "What's up with that?" And David Hayter's just like. Yeah, what is up with that? I don't fucking know <laughs> what is up with that. And there's even been in the video game, this happens a lot in the video game space and even like uh, recently in like the anime space as well, where like um, voice actors for like English dubs of like major animes have reported of like, we got paid $150 yeah. for all of our work. And then uh, even like the Bayonetta series uh, of video games has had a recent like scuttlebutt with uh a voice actress getting replaced, even though she, I think the original voice actress may have embellished the controversy <laughs> around what happened, but still it's like, you know, I think the long and short of it is that voice actors who are not major celebrities don't have a ton of like clout or rights in this space. And I think, you know, video games and animes are one thing, but like, I think in movies, it's kind of like completely over. Like there's like no shot now. Yeah. You know, you have some people who like, it's like, oh, I voiced ten characters in this movie, and they hopefully they get paid properly for playing the, like voicing those ten characters. But it's probably not a cent compared to what they threw fucking Chris Pratt to pretend to be from New York, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I know uh-huh. Tara Strong. If you're familiar with her work, she's been in the mm-hmm. voice acting game forever. She's very vocal on Twitter and just like in general about the discrepancy between yeah, voice actors getting paid, you know, like pennies on the dollar compared to like actors and yeah it, it's a bummer but i don't know I, i'm sure they're a part of a union or if not they're working towards it i mean i don't really know didn't look into the news story that deep but but yeah they definitely yeah. deserve more for their body of work and committing to that medium you know for their choice of acting like they have a skill and they're really really good at that skill and now it sucks that like People who, you know, were just regular acting for a long time are coming in and, you know, taking the spots. It does suck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get that the studios kind of see it as like it secures a certain, pe- like a certain amount of money to have these names attached to it. And Definitely. I bet it does. Yeah. But like, you know, it's weird for like the kids movies. I think with the Mario Brothers movie, it almost makes more sense because of like the spotlight on it. But like, you know, they had that like superhero animals movie did you see that where it's like Dwayne the Rock Johnson was playing like super dog oh okay and like like this yeah. came out like like I think this summer uh-huh but it's just but like for that one I'm just like you guys need to pay Dwayne the Rock Johnson to be in this movie right <laughs> like you know like you want to you want to spend the money on that like I don't know man but I think you know before we we head out of this this story uh I was thinking about your question about like who this movie is for and I think what it the answer realistically is is that it is for kids who may or may not be the biggest Mario fans, but they'll see this Illumination style movie and identify with it and be like, "Hey, this looks like Despicable Me. Hey, this looks like all this other yeah. shit. I want to see that." But they're capital. But I do think the hey, adults might see this too. Part of the pie is going to be really big, and I think that they want to cash in on that by making it as in line with what we grew up with with Mario Brothers before. And I honestly, like, you know, something like this interests me more than a Sonic movie, which I think they've done, like, you know, a pretty, like, okay job with that. 
Um, but the Sonic movies, you know, they feel like they are for kids and like, hey, if you grew up with Sonic, you could sit here and watch it too. Whereas I'm hoping this movie is a little bit more, and I think you can do this more with animation where it can be like symbiotically for both. So I'm hoping we get that with this movie. But, you know, for me, I love the trailer. It had a lot more action than I was expecting. The characters feel like the characters. And my main question is, it shows Mario appearing in the Mushroom Kingdom. Where was he before? Hmm. Where was he before? What's going on there? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's interesting that there's no Peach in this, and Bowser's a threat, but he's a threat for other reasons. I don't know what they're gonna do with the whole Peach storyline, because yeah, yeah, trapping ladies in castles um, probably isn't the best way to go anymore. It's not woke anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This Mario has to be woke. I mean. Hopefully we'll see, uh, you know, maybe them play with that. Maybe yeah. she gets captured, but then something else happens. I don't know. We'll sure. See. But yeah, I would like to see, I, I don't think you can make a whole movie out of what the games always are. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. And it was even disappointing in, uh, I think, actually, I don't, I think in Mario Odyssey, like the main thing, like the, the newest, like mainline, like 3D Mario game, it like it still had Peach getting captured. It's like, you know, 2017, this game comes out. People are Dang. just like. This game's great, but, like, again? <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know, man. Um, that game was fun, though, because uh, Bowser was, like, about to marry Peach at the end of it. And you show up as Mario in, like, a white tux, and you have to, like, disrupt the wedding. And I'm like, this is actually kind of cool, though. That's but, hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But uh, it's still... But the thing is, like, you know, yeah, we got to kind of push past it. Even the newest uh, Legend of Zelda game still had Peach... Or not Peach. <laughs> Zelda had, uh, you know, the titular Zelda, the... Uh, Link, captured Link her, had to save know, her. Had a commission. Link had to save her. And it's just like, you know what? Like, we got to give these these women more to do. Yeah, that's true. I think. I think they want more to do. I think so. I think so. Moving on to story number two. Blade pre-production temporarily shut down. I'm going to move my microphone so it's more in front of my face so I can read this. Great. Blade pre-production temporarily shut down. This story is written by... Boris Kit at The Hollywood Reporter. <clears throat> In the wake of parting ways with director Bassam Tariq two weeks ago, the studio is pressing pause on the vampire adventure thriller that is to star Oscar winner Mahershala Ali. Marvel is temporarily shutting down production-related activities in Atlanta, where the project was to have shot starting in November, while it conducts a search for a filmmaker and further develops the feature. Blade had seen its start of production shifts at least a couple of times as it, as it underwent several rounds of script rewrites. Boo DiMeo, who has worked on such shows, uh, worked on shows such as Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Witcher, and its animated spinoff feature, as well as Marvel's own Moon Knight, and it, as well as Marvel's own Moon Knight, and uh, Boo DiMeo is the current writer. Uh, so this, that's that story. And this also led to another story that I wanted to include kind of in this chunk because um, Blade moving around also shifted the schedule of other Marvel movies and shows as well. This story is written by Rebecca Rubin at Variety. As part of the shuffle, Blade has moved from November 3rd, 2023 to September 6, 2024, which created a ripple effect, a ripple effect on the rest of the MCU. Deadpool 3 has relocated relocated from September 6th, 2024, to November 8th, 2024. Fantastic Four has shifted from November 8th, 2024, to February 14th, 2025. An untitled Marvel film has been pushed from February 14th, 2025, to November 7th, 2025, 
Avengers Secret Wars has been delayed from November 7th, 2025 to May 1st, 2026, and another untitled Marvel film set for May 1st, 2026 has been removed from Disney's calendar. So, why can't they make this Blade movie? That's a good question. Why can't they make this Blade? It's Blade. He's cool. He is cool. And, he is cool. and you have Mahershala right there. I mean, I, I'm... Mm-hmm. It's funny because I've never seen the original Blade movies, although I would like to Whoa. at some point. I think I think you would fuck with them. I think I would. Especially the Guillermo del Toro one. That one is crazy. Yeah. And I, I do love vampires. That is a wheelhouse that I really like living in and exploring. And so I definitely mm-hmm. like the idea of these movies for sure. So I need to see them. Um, but I'm really excited for Mahershala Ali. I think he is great. Um, what a great actor yeah. that guy is. And yeah, I I'll see this movie when this comes out, when it comes out, if it comes out. If it comes out. Right. I think it, it it does seem like, you know, looking at the shuffle that has happened, it does seem like whatever happens in Blade happens in all the movies. Like, you know, right. like there's something that happens in Blade that has to affect every movie kind of preceding it. Right. Which is interesting. Did you see um uh, Werewolf by Night, or I think that's what it's called. The uh, the new Halloween special Marvel thing on Disney Plus. I have not. Uh, yeah, I keep seeing it in like the little top like slide feature on Disney Plus, and yeah, I keep forgetting to watch that. But yeah. so it's it's cool, and I think the thing about it is that um, I actually, I actually really liked it. It was like it was kind of like a pleasant surprise. It was a bit on the like shorter side, so it was kind of more condensed, and it was a bit kind of like more like it was a bit more like it was like fun, you know. But uh. It made me think about, and I think another headline kind of, like, put this in my head of, like, Blade kind of starts the monsters era of the MCU from the comics. Um, You know, we've seen kind of, like, the more, like, traditional stuff and everything preceding it and, like, the Ultron arc and stuff like that. And now we're in, like, the multiverse kind of era. So it was, like, you know, maybe Affinity Stones was, like, the first era of Marvel we kind of went through. And now it's, like, multiverse craziness and maybe, like, Monsters is kind of going to be, like, either a subsect or, like, some level of, like, the new thing. Um, but, you know, looking at these other Marvel properties, they still seem like they would be multiverse-focused. I mean, Deadpool 3, I imagine, has to deal with the multiverse. Same yeah. with Fantastic Four. Same with, like, uh, Secret Wars is essentially, like, a King the Conqueror. Like, I think he's, like, the main, like, antagonist in it. Um... But yeah, but also I think the thing that really kind of like shocked me in reading the shakeup is just like the 2026 of it all. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Which kind of plays into the next news story too, which we'll be talking about, is that, yeah, when you have all of these different films, you know, set up and going smoothly kind of and then – something gets thrown in the like the hitch you know it, yeah. it it is crazy to see how it affects so many other things down the line and yeah i mean it is funny because people get so jazzed at those conventions where they release the timelines for these upcoming Just movies something you get fucking they all got delayed like they, they all got all, delayed it's all different now yeah yeah and then it's like does that change like the shows too because i feel oh, like the shows know. are even more of the like mcu filler like they kind of move the the expanded universe goalpost, I think, a bit more than the movies even do at this point. I'm not really sure. 
I, yeah. I think that's like fair to say, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's unfortunate, and they they do kind of touch on it in She Hulk a little bit. That sometimes the shows do kind of feel like they're throwaway projects, or I'm sorry, the the TV shows. Yeah. Yes. They yeah. they kind of do feel like they're like the little sister, the little brother of like big MCU films. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think they they move things forward and they give you a lot of substantial information that you need to better enjoy the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something like, excuse me, Loki, like. I feel like it's a huge deal for the MCU as a whole. You know, introduces Kang. Yes. And, it, and you know, it doesn't introduce the multiverse per se, but it kind of introduces the fracturing of it. Right. That we see in the movies. Um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, Fantastic Four, I really wanted to see that movie, and now it's it's so far away. So far away. It's so far away. And, like, I feel like we were on the cusp of, like, they're going to announce who's in it. Yeah, we're gonna know who's gonna be these dudes, and now it's just like I don't know if we're gonna find out who these dudes are until like twenty twenty four. Like it's kind of crazy. I know we got the writer now, which is cool. I th- it's the guy who did Loki, right? Yeah, to my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, that's um, that's good for them. That's a good security for yeah. that film. Yes, yeah. I agree. But yeah, we'll see. I think uh, I saw today on Twitter that uh, the Quantum Mania trailer is gonna get released today. Oh, okay. Yeah, so hopefully uh, that's cool. That is cool. More Ant-Man. I'll take that. Love more Ant-Man. Love more Ant-Man. I think that's also going to feature a lot of Kang. I'm curious to see what Kang's role going forward in the MCU is, because I think he's, he's you know, set up to be the Thanos, so to speak. Yeah. And then, Burn, when do you think, you know, now that we're looking at all these releases, what year do you think you get the first X-Men film? Oh, boy. It's interesting to me. I I do love that they have these untitled Marvel films just kind of, like, wedged makes, in there. Makes you think. Yeah. Yeah, because there are a couple of them in the list that you read. And, mm. yeah, it would be very cool. They they know that the fans are hungry for it. That's so the hungry. thing. So You see in She-Hulk, they mention, you know. Yes. She asked, she asked the Kevin robot, like, hey. So Can we get some X-Men, please? So like, so, like, they get it, right? Like, they know. Absolutely. Um, Do you think 2027 is, like, when we're gonna, you know? It'd be cool if it was one of these untitled projects, especially the one right. that's supposedly coming out in 2025. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I could see them also maybe doing an X-Men show first. I think X-Men as a show would work really well um introducing kind of the just depends on how they want to do it right right? are they going to do it the more traditional way are they gonna get really weird with it i think if they did it more traditional i think you're right i think a show would be perfect for that Mm -hmm. i think that would be really neat um i think all of those different characters really could use more of a spotlight yeah i just don't know how they're going to fit into the larger picture because before x-men movies were very specific things and they didn't have to fit into any other you know, storyline going on. They were just X-Men movies. So yeah, I think, if anything, that's going to be the only thing that they really have to focus on is, yeah, Mm -hmm. fitting that puzzle piece into, like, the larger puzzle is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's tough. I also wonder what it means for... I think Spider-Man's a big question mark as well, like, because it's tied to Sony, so they're, you know, Sony probably wants some level of Spider-Man in tandem with, like, the weird fucking shit they're doing over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though it wouldn't be the Tom Holland one, presumably. 
But you know, uh, No Way Home did set up. It's no No Way Home is yeah the new one. Yes, yeah. No Way Home. I was like, wait, am I getting confused? No Way Home sets up. You know, enough spot. It's it leaves enough cliffhanger like the symbiotes in play now. Yeah, it leaves enough cliffhangers where you know Marvel wants to do MCU wants to do something with it. So you know, I wonder if one of these mystery films is Tom Holland's return. There's a rumor that's been going on for a while that Tom Holland would be in Fantastic Four. Um. It, it, to some extent so you know that moves that around too it's i wonder like how big of a deal the shift and shuffle is or if it's just kind of like is it like everything kind of moves over or does it like really fuck up a lot of like do we have to reshoot a lot of stuff that's already going you know we'll see right it, it is crazy just looking at this list and the ripple effect and i had a thought earlier today where, yeah, if, if a director isn't working out, sure, they need to find a new director. I mean, I, I get that to a certain degree. But, yeah, can you imagine being just, like, working on the crew of these Marvel movies and, like, you plan, like, say, your wedding for a certain time because you're like, this job will be done by then. And then they're like, well, this one <laughs> asshole didn't want to direct this movie and now we have to find a new director. So it's all getting pushed back. <laughs> He's like, yeah, someone ah. can't figure out how to make a Blade movie. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that probably happens, like, you know, even for more, my, like, minute stuff. Oh, I right? know. Yeah, just yeah. all but, of the yeah, people I mean, who put things like off. Yeah. yeah, like, and, like, does the, sh- you know, does it, like, do a lot of the same people work on, like, multiple projects? Does it fuck all that stuff up? Like, I, I do wonder, like, reading this out loud, it seems like a massively big deal. And I just wonder if it is that. Right, right, because it it could just be a lot of these movies maybe just need to have a couple scenes rewritten, you know, to sure to yeah. figure that out. So yeah, it might not be mm-hmm. like as catastrophic as this seems, but this seems pretty crazy. It seems like a big deal. It seems like yeah. a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a big deal. We will see. You know, we watched it. You like She Hulk, by the way. You're in She Hulk. Yeah, I think I liked it in the in the middle. I was like, I don't really like like the the wedding scene. And I love Patty Harrison, but the wedding episode, yeah. I thought was pretty stale. And I think the episode before that one, I thought was pretty stale. But overall, I liked what She-Hulk was doing. Yeah, I think I liked it too. For me, it picked up, I think we talked about it actually during Halloween Ends. It picked up steam for me as it went on. Um, and uh, I thought its finale was was really funny yeah. and great. Yeah. You know, and I also like, I didn't realize... I figured it out pretty early on from like, you know, watching people cover the show and stuff. But I didn't realize that She-Hulk's thing was that she was like a fourth wall breaking character. So when it's happening in the first episode, I'm like, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> like, what why? is this? But now it kind of makes like more sense. Right. Um. So yeah, I'm excited for that. But moving on to moving the microphone closer to my face, uh, turning it this way. Moving on to story number three, DC's future. Uh, so I have a story that I uh, condensed into kind of bullet points, but the story is also written by Boris Kitt, who did the previous story uh, at The Hollywood Reporter. So this is uh, he kind of broke a story that covers a lot of like inside information happening at DC, but there's a few big pulls and takeaways. There's also a lot of rumors regarding this stuff that I didn't put in here. Maybe we'll talk about um, just because like for story three reports, I do really like to have like. There has to be an article, there has to be a source, there has to be a good thing. So we don't usually include in the real uh, rumors, but that's for the, the later part of the conversation. So the big takeaways from uh, Kit's story is 
The Flash 2 script is already written. Superman's sequel that is essentially Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill seeking writers. Wonder Woman 3 scriptment happening soon. At least one new James Gunn movie. And the Batman Rogues Gallery spin-off movies are in development with Matt Reeves. A few days after this article came out, uh, another news story broke over at DC and Warner Brothers. DC film boss exits. Uh, this is written by Anthony De Alessandro at Deadline. <sighs> After 15 years at Warner Brothers and four as president of DC Films, Walter Hamada has finally has finally left Burbank. Has finally left the Burbank, California lot. Hamada will be the fifth Warner Brothers motion picture studio executive to leave since David Zasla has took the reins of the newly merged Warner Brothers Discovery. Following Warner Brothers Motion Picture Group Chairman Tony Emmerich, President of Production and Development Courtney Valenti, Motion Picture Group COO Carolyn Blackwood, and Animation Group EVP Allison Abbott. We hear Hamada knew his days were numbered and that this would be the outcome even before he met Zaslav, who has been transparent in his desire to bring an exec like Marvel Chief like Marvel Chief Kevin Feige, to run DC across all mediums. Zazov recently courted former Warner's development exec and Lego movie producer Dan Lin for the post, and former Fox Chief Emma Watts has long loomed as a possible head. Hamada is not Feige. The low-key executive is said not to be a gifted talent schmoozer, for instance. But this is not to discount his efforts since moving over from New Line, among his accomplishments was creating a crossover between DC Films and HBO Max's streaming service. So more shakeups happening over at Warner Brothers Discovery since their big merger. Uh, one of the, the first episode of Stories from Reports, we talk a lot about, you know, this happening. It was it was kind of took up a lot of the, the real space just because it was kind of the biggest story that month. Like a lot was happening. But, uh, you know, we, we continue to see the ripple effects of this. But... Uh, Burn. What do you, what do you think? Let's focus on the first part of this. What do you think of these announced things from that first article? I gotta say, I don't like a lot of that stuff that they're like really focusing on at DC. Yeah, um, it bums me out. So can't figure it out, huh? <laughs> right. It bums me out that so much has gone on with that Flash movie and Ezra Miller, and I don't know. I just think they're making all of the wrong decisions. With regarding the Flash at this moment, did you hear the rumor that they might try and recast him for Flash Two? Well, and it's gonna be the kid. I think he's from nineteen seventeen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I would be much happier knowing that they recast him if if that is the case. I'd be like, well, yes, you've dropped a lot of the dead weight, which makes the project seem really nefarious and messed up. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think. Any of us now. The George McKay is oh, great. the rumor for great. Flash. I like him. Which he would be good. I, I yeah. do like him a lot. Yeah, it's impossible to think about The Flash without thinking about Ezra Miller. It's impossible. I think it's crazy that they're still, they're still putting it out. Right. Yeah, me too. Like, I think it's kind of... it. I just think it sucks. Like, I don't know. It does we'll, suck. We'll see. Yeah, regardless of, you know... If it's a mental health issue, you know, whatever. Like, he still has done some pretty messed up stuff. Not trying to just, like, outright yeah. villainize him. 
But yeah, I think it's a weird move to, you know, potentially put out a film where your star has like been grooming women and, you know, all all of the stuff. We all know all the ridiculous weird things that Ezra Miller has been doing. Right. Um but yeah, and then to like focus on it and double down so much on it, it's it's weird. It's uh Yeah. They're not handling it not very cool. tactfully. Yeah. No. But then also, you know, I, I think the the Henry Cavill one, like the the Man of Steel 2, quote unquote, like that excites me a little bit. But you know, the rumors that are happening before this, and the article does touch on this a little bit, um, is that, you know, there were they were trying to develop like a black Superman movie. And I'm not sure if that was also the Superman project that J.J. Abrams was developing or there's like another J.J. Abrams like DC project he was developing. But the merger also kind of like shut out a lot of his projects that he's looking for like other hands to pick up now. Uh, One of the things that got shuffled around that we talked about earlier, or maybe we didn't have a chance to talk about it, but was his um, Batman animated series kind of spiritual successor that got... uh, was now not happening at HBO Max, but he's looking for, like, other people to pick it up for streaming services, which is, like, fucking why? Like, stop. But, um, yeah, so that stuff is weird. I think the James Gunn one is, like, like, that's, like, kind of obvious. I'm curious to see, you know, what he would do other than Suicide Squad or, uh, yeah, Suicide Squad or Peacemaker. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited. I'd be excited for it. It does seem like, though... He's doing Guardians, and then he's done with Marvel. Okay. That's kind of what it looks... I mean, right? I mean, if he's yeah. doing all this stuff for DC, then I'd imagine he's he's more in one camp than the other. Yeah, definitely. Um, it does seem that way. Yeah, I when James Gunn got Guardians, and, you know, I think other people were much more familiar with his work uh, prior to that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like him. I think James Gunn is really good. I think he has a cool, distinct voice. That he likes to work with. Yeah. And yeah, I'm into that. He, he's a weird dude. Did you watch uh, Peacemaker? I have not watched Peacemaker yet. It's way better than I thought it would be. Oh, I bet. This show's great. All I've been hearing yeah. is good things. I was just like, damn. No, it is It is as good. And, you know, everyone's like so hyped on it. I'm like, we'll fucking see. I watched it. I was like, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie. Or a show. The, the thing. Yeah. I, and then oh, the. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> the, no, no, you. No, you, please. Uh, no, you. Okay. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> the uh, the thing I didn't like about the Superman stuff coming into Black Adam was in that article that you shared. Spoilers for Black Adam. Yeah, spoilers for Black Adam. I think it's all over Twitter. All I don't fucking Twitter. know what you want from me. Yeah, come on. Um, if you really like Black Adam, you would have seen it before listening to this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but we all know what happens at the end. <laughs> I think it was weird. Granted, I think Dwayne Johnson seems like a good guy. I've never really like explored you know him as a person i don't really know he seems like a good guy um sure it it seemed weird to me that i mean a he's been lobbying for black adam for a long time which i think is very cool that he's very passionate about that project and really wants to get involved but i think it's weird that the whole superman thing wasn't planned and then like they kind of went around their bosses and kind of like did it anyway and johnson yeah. He, you know, he made it work, which I guess, you know, is cool. And I mean, people are talking about it. So, I mean, it's generating buzz for the film anyway. I can understand the motives, but I think it's weird that they were told no and it wasn't the intention. And then it, they like strong armed it and made it happen. Yeah. And then at, at, by the end of the article, Johnson's like, yeah, I'm here for DC. Like, whatever they need, I'll help 
<laughs> like, I'll help look for this. Yeah, as long as I like facilitated a hundred percent. Yeah, he just seems like all of a sudden very, very involved, and you know, I, I mean, it seems like he really loves comics and probably has really loved DC for a long time, and I'm sure he's really excited to be involved. And but it was just like, who? I feel like there needs to be like more people in this room figuring out these decisions. He just came in really hot, <laughs> and that's what that article makes yeah. it seem like. Yeah, I think also like the, you know, getting Henry, it's like the monkey spot where it's like getting Henry Cavill back in Superman. Yes. Yeah. But through Dwayne Johnson, you're like, no, like, <laughs> wait, no, I think it's weird. And like, you know, I, I read like basically what the whole spoiler, like what the scene is when Henry Cavill like shows up and like, I'm like, this is what you guys are fucking hyped on. Like, right. this is what, this is what you want. And also, like, you know, the, the, the divide between critics and audiences seems to grow wider and wider where I think, like, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has, like, Black Adam has, like, a 40% critic score and the review score or the audience scores is, like, a 90. And I'm like, what the fuck's <laughs> going on with you people? What's going on? Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to see the movie. I'll probably see it at some point when it's, like, streaming mm-hmm. if it's not already. Um, but, yeah, I agree that it, Dwayne's... <laughs> I think he's the only person, he's the only actor that could have so much clout where he could muscle through all this stuff to happen. Um, but I just like don't know if I want to give Dwayne The Rock Johnson that much like executive power over right. any of the storytelling. You know? Yeah, no. <laughs> don't want that. That doesn't seem like so, that's yeah. a job he's very good at. So. No, no. And like, you know, I haven't seen Black Adam, so I can't talk too much shit, I guess. But it just does not excite me. We'll see what this Man of Steel 2 is. Uh, I've always thought that I think Henry Cavill could be a good Superman. I just think that he was not directed super well in his Superman outings, mm-hmm. you know? So, if they could, but the thing is, like, can you make Man of Steel 2 and then make it, like, tonally course corrected in a way that doesn't feel like totally dissonant with like the first one like mm-hmm. i don't know like i don't know i i also think I, I think that dc needs to hit the reset button which is why the batman i like so much love it because it's new and i think that they it seems like seeing this pop up too is that i feel like since the batman came out there has not been there's been a lot of like Batman like stories here and there, mm-hmm. but it took a while for like it official like Batman two to officially get greenlit. We knew about the TV shows; some of them were changing. It just like you, th- I thought there'd be more noise about these other the Batman projects that should be coming out. But it seems like Matt Reeves is like really taking the time to like start the development of some of these side projects, like these Batman Rogue Gallery spinoff movies. They mentioned it was movies, not TV shows. Right as well as the Penguin show, as well as some other stuff. So I think that he's just taking the time to kind of, like, get everything, like, locked and loaded and then pass it on to other people, and then you're going to see, like, a lot of Batman in, like, two years. I feel like that's what's going to happen. And that'll be very exciting. I think that's very exciting. I do, you know, I do worry about, like, the Batman's really good. I really like it. I don't want them to blow their load too hard. Right, we don't need fatigue from that. Because, yeah, it is so cool. It needs to be a little treat. It is so cool. And I think the reason it was so cool is that, like, I want a Batman 2 so fucking bad, Burn. I want a Batman 2 so fucking bad. But if they were, like, and this was, like, a weird art house spinoff Batman movie, and this is the only one, I'd be like, you know what? Dope. At least least we got that. Yeah. So, 
And that just means it's sacred. That just means it's the thing that means a lot. But, uh, you know, moving on from that story. So, yeah, I think we were both pretty... We don't know what DC's doing. And it seems like DC doesn't know what it's doing. No, yeah. Because their boss is also leaving. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that Wonder so, yeah, Woman the, 3, like, I don't know how you come back from making Diana a rapist, essentially. Having sex with that dude's body who is not consenting because another dude is living in that dude's oh, body. Yeah. Like, weird stuff. I don't think anyone really liked Wonder Woman 2 all that much. It was pretty bad. I don't know how you come back no, from No, Wonder that. Woman 2 sucks. <laughs> I think that... uh I think whatever Wonder Woman 3 will be, I wonder if Patty Jenkins will be involved. Yeah, I don't know. Because she also has a Star Wars project that I think got um, put in the can. She was doing like a X-Wing, like, oh, okay. like Rogue Squadron kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it either got put in development hell or like stopped happening. You know, I'm not sure. But Interesting. Huh. We'll see. But uh, yeah, Wonder Woman 2, not so good. Wonder Woman 3... I don't know. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1's not good enough to justify Wonder Woman 2. That's the thing. Agreed. Wonder Woman 1 is just like, this movie's kind of cool. Let's see what happens. And it's like, we saw... It's bad. <laughs> I think we're I think we're good. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're good. But I, uh, yeah, so like... And then... Sorry, Bernie, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I was very excited um, to see the trailer for the new season of Doom Patrol when that came out. Because I thought all of this stuff that was happening at DC might have put the cooler, weirder shows like Doom Patrol and Jeopardy. But yeah, um, I'm really glad that Doom Patrol is at least getting one more season because um, I love that. Yeah. I think DC needs to lean into the weird of it all because I think when DC's being weird, it's at its best. Yeah. I mean, I love the Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, for sure. For example. And then like, you know, things like Peacemaker is that's a weird yeah. That's a weird DC show to do, and it's great. Yeah. So I I agree. They they seem to have be having more luck with like weirder stuff, but they are committed to things like the Flash, things like Black Adam, things like Superman, which you know are the obvious choices. But um, I don't know. I would say they can't seem to figure it out, but I think Black Adams might be doing pretty well. So yeah. If the dollar signs are pointing to being correct, we'll see. Right. But uh, yeah, just real quickly talking about before we move on from this whole story, you know, um, uh, Walter Hamada leaving the role. It does seem like that was something that was like happening in a while, but him being a part of like five Warner Brother picture uh, studio executives leaving like that sounds bad. Um, And yeah, it doesn't, you know. We kind of cover a lot of what this, I think, article is implying just by talking about like our opinions on the DCEU and and Warner Brother Discovery's like projects. But um, yeah, I just wonder, you know, will they find their Kevin Feige? Is this all worth it to find their Kevin Feige? I don't know. But yeah, I wonder. It if- also seems like th- where the structure is now, though, I don't think that they can uh-uh. even do what Marvel's doing. They're too spread out and dissonant. Yeah. I, I can't imagine even wanting that job to be the Kevin Feige. Of oh, like, either. Yeah, like that job that. sounds terrible. <laughs> no. I think even Kevin Feige, who's doing a good job, is probably pretty tired. Yeah. I think there were some reports of him being like, he's stretched thin. Yes. It's just like, yeah, he's like one fucking dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't it's know. It's a lot to have to stay on top of. And like, kudos to him for doing it. Um, I think that's very impressive. Yeah. I think it, I think if they could split the Kevin Feige into helming specific heroes, 
that can communicate that way. Like, make Matt Reeves the Kevin Feige of Batman, which I don't love, but, like, let's just go with that. Sure, sure. And then make someone, you know, for example, make J.J. Abrams the head of Superman. And then have these people, you know, be at the top and, like, find the directors and the writers for the projects and just, like, produce all of them. And then if they need to communicate with one another for crossovers, they can make that happen. I feel like that's the only way they can do it at this point. But, like, I don't know. You can't even fucking have... Henry Cavill Superman cannot even exist in the Matt Reeves, like, Batman universe. No, they're incompatible. And I don't... And no one wants that. Yeah. It, (laughs) It would not, like, make sense at all. So I just, like, don't know... If the search for any you know, now has been a few months, like we talked about this in the first episode, like, you know, it's I, I, I don't think a Kevin Feige is going to fix any of this or no. make it any more cohesive now at the very least. Yeah. So, yeah, because even the Marvel properties that are a little strange and a little bit off on their own thing, kind of like the Ant-Man movie or, you know, some of the like smaller like Shang-Chi was awesome. But yeah, they still look right. compatible with the other movies. They might be like doing their own weird, different thing. But DC, mm-mm. those movies mm-mm. just don't. No. Yeah, they don't fit. They're in different. I, I would use the word timeline, but timeline is like so widely used when we talk about comic books yeah. now. But yeah, it's like th- those movies do not work together. They're like oil and water. Yeah, yeah. I think that's even like, you know, like universes you can't even say yeah. anymore because it's like, well, you know, <laughs> like. Well, actually, um, yeah, no, they are just like, I think if anything, they're so like stylistically dissonant that they cannot communicate anymore. Right. And the only reason things like Black Adam and Superman can is that like they feel like they can exist, like like Black Adam is spawned from the fragments of the Snyderverse. The Flash is spawned from that as well. Wonder Woman is spawned from that as well. So they can all still like talk but then you know things like the matt reeves batman is no is is totally dissonant from all that stuff and then even things like <clears throat> i don't know what the fuck they're trying to do with joker i, I don't think they're trying to connect it to anything i don't think knows. so either <laughs> i do i do think if anything joker could could maybe communicate more with like the matt reeves batman for sure but um look we got our boy barry so i don't have to worry about that shit oh i know so i think we'll see yeah yeah no i can't <laughs> I imagine know. them fucking that up with barry keegan Love that guy. No, I also can't imagine them like wanting to. I think they like Joker, the the Joaquin Todd Phillips Joker project. I think they like that it is separate. Separate. Yeah. <laughs> Get over there <laughs> in your corner. <laughs> yeah, just do your own thing. But I think that's what they should do. I think, I I, I think cr- crossovers are ultimately like they're the only reason they're not overrated in Marvel is because they're built on that. Whereas, like, but I think in general, it's just like I don't really like need the crossover events, like. I, I want the event to be like Superman does something fucking crazy, yeah. not Superman meets someone fucking crazy, you know? Yeah. And and if anything, maybe they should embrace the fact that their movies aren't connected because then they can work on them independently. And if, say, a director falls through on one of the movies, it doesn't fuck up, you know, six other movies that they're working on at the Every time. single project you have. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Good point, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. All right. Well, moving on from uh, the world of DC, but still in the world of comics, we have a uh, an interesting interview with Alan Moore. Uh, Alan Moore is coming out with a collection of short stories. Uh, I think it's his first foray, foray into the literary space. I actually downloaded his book on my iPad because I 
wanted to read it. Yeah, I think um, I will also be reading this. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But you know, Alan Moore, he is uh before we jump into the interview, Alan Moore is the uh author of graphic novels such as Watchmen and Beaver Vendetta. And uh he is a interesting figure in the comic book space, especially of like the kind of golden age of comic books, because he I think hates them. And uh we're gonna talk about that more <laughs> right now. So this interview is by Sam Leith uh for The Guardian. This is with Alan Moore. Quote is these quotes are from Alan Moore. Quote I'm definitely done with comics. I haven't written one for getting on five years. I will always love and adore the comics medium, but the comics industry and all that stuff attached to it became unbearable. End quote. He now looks with dismay on the way the superhero genre in which he once worked has eaten the culture. Quote Hundreds of thousands of adults are lining up to see characters in situations that have been created to entertain 12-year-old boys, and it was always 12-year-old boys, of 50 years ago. I didn't really think that superheroes were adult fare. I think that this this was a misunderstanding born of what happened in the 1980s, to which I must put my hand up to a considerable share of the blame, though it was not intentional. When things like Watchmen were first appearing, there were awful lot of headlines saying comics have grown up. I tend to think that, no, comics hadn't grown up. There were a few titles that were more adult than people were used to. But the majority of comic titles were pretty much the same as they'd ever been. It was comics growing up. It wasn't comics growing up. I think that, I think it was more comics beating the emotional age of the audience coming the other way, end quote. He thinks that it's not just infantile, but dangerous. Quote, I said around about 2011 that I thought that it that it had serious and worrying implications for the future if millions of adults were queuing up to see Batman movies because that kind of infantilization that urge towards simpler times, simpler realities, that can be the very that can very often be the precursor to fascism. End quote. He points out that when Trump was elected in 2016, and, quote, when we ourselves took a bit of a strange detour in our politics, end quote, when many of the biggest superhero, uh, many of the biggest films in the world were superhero movies. Alan Moore, everybody. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if I agree with everything he's saying here, but I do think when Alan Moore speaks, we should listen. Uh-huh. That's what I think. And I think that. It's important to note that Alan Moore does not watch any of these things. So he doesn't watch any of the stuff that's adapted of his shit. I don't think he watches any of these movies that he's saying is a precursor to fascism, even though I do think it's an interesting point. And I think if you watch a lot of these Marvel movies, he'd probably be like, oh, they're they're honestly too woke. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, if you like, I, I don't think that the the moral of the story of like any Marvel movie is that it's fetch into fascism anyway. But with all that being said, Byrne, what, what's some of your takeaways from this uh, interview? Um, this is probably my favorite news story on the reel for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I obviously don't know Alan Moore personally, but a lot of what he says. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He's not on speed dial on your phone? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, yes, I also am a hermit who lives in the woods and grow my beard out long and scraggly <laughs> we're just God, a couple mountain so men together. i wish i wish i was yeah. i wish i was <laughs> um but no a lot of what he says really resonates with me for sure i think this is like a, a difficult news story to talk about when it comes to like 
sounding too hipster or, you know, saying like, oh, I've thought this way for a long time. But yeah, (laughs) I I do think it has become kind of disconcerting that what used to be very fringe when we were growing up. um, Granted, like I loved the X-Men movies, loved like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. You know, I I really liked this when like Christian Bale stepped in to, to play Batman was all about that. So I really... Yeah. And most of our lives, superhero movies have pierced the mainstream. Right. You know. But they did used to yeah. feel, you know, kind of like more like special little treats that we would get every once in a while. Like the movie theaters weren't dominated by these superhero films. They were just like yeah. a fun alternative to like the other action movies that were coming out. But now... Yeah. When you got things like Blade, it was like, whoa, right. they made a Blade movie? And then you're like, this is a weird movie. <laughs> So, yeah. Now it's like, ah, oh, they're making a Blade movie. Oh, oh yeah. Of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. They, are. they must. If they could figure it out. Yeah. If they could fucking figure it out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I liked that, uh, that they were just one of the many, like, candies that you could buy at the concession stand. Now it's like every summer you have to see, like, two of them. It really does feel kind of like a checklist. Like you're going down the list. You're like, well, I got to see this one. This one's coming up. Got to see it because it's going to connect yeah. to the next like four movies. <laughs> so I, I do feel like they have taken over. And it's interesting because a lot of action movies now, really, we just have action franchises. We don't really have like standalone action films for the most part anymore. You have yeah, like no, your right. your superhero ones. You have like your Mission Impossibles. Top Gun's yeah. coming back in a big way. Um, they've kind of like revitalized. You something like John Wick. Yeah. Which may be a standalone, but then it does so well it becomes. Yeah. You know. I as think a lot should, of action movies are, are, as it should, but like a lot of action movies are, are standalone until they're. Until not. they're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of where we live with that now, too. For sure. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I definitely do think that they've gotten way too overly saturated, for sure. I think to yeah. be a film critic um, and live in this world, which we live in, um, you have to be up to date on it, whether you like it or not. And yeah. that is a weird sentiment for like entertainment that you have to like be so entrenched in this thing that otherwise you probably wouldn't be just because, you know, it is part of the, like the quote unquote job is making sure you're up to date on all of these. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I do agree. I think that, we as a culture, but here I am as a woman who is 33 years old and can't imagine never wearing crop tops again. Like, I think the older we're getting, like our generation, I think we're staying way more youthful than any other previous generation before us. I, sure. you know, so the fact that like 40 year old people, 50 year old people get psyched for these superhero movies, I think it's okay to like something. And I think that's great to be a fan. So I don't know. I think Ellen Moore might be taking it like a little too extreme with like the whole talks of fascism. But I do. I can kind of see where he's coming from that, like these superhero movies have kind of, you know, put us all in the same headspace. And if we like these like infantile, easy things, we're not really challenging ourselves mentally or emotionally. We're kind of keeping ourselves in a state of like, oh, yeah, I used to be like this when I was 12 years old, and I'm still like yeah. this now. But I don't think it has to be, you know, 
a bad thing. I think most people who enjoy superhero movies, I'd like to think, can detach themselves from watching said superhero movies and actually be an adult, <laughs> you know, and think for themselves and have rational thought. I don't think it's dumbing us down that much, yeah. you know, ready to accept fascism, but... No, I, I agree. And I think, like, what he's describing as, you know, people being, like, the the urge towards simpler times and simpler realities. I don't think that these movies' narrative are communicating that, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, like, you know, I maintain that the way that these, Marvel especially, but the way that these movie like, these movies and shows are coming out where you kind of need to watch it to, like, be kept up on it like the reason it's like that is simply because it is the same way that comic books were released right it was issue to issue month to month and it is just the same model for these movies and you know i think that my thing about when it comes to talking shit about any movie tv show or whatever you can only really talk shit once you've like done the homework you know <laughs> yeah. you can talk shit if you haven't and you can have your opinions and, and sh you know, shake hand at cloud, old man shakes hand at cloud. But I think that, you know, with Alan Moore, it's like, well, like, I think if he engaged with some of the adaptations of his work and stuff like that, I, you know, he, he, I think he saw some of the adaptations of his work and he was like super pissed off about it. And when you watch something like V for Vendetta, you may like the movie, but if you're Alan Moore and you read the Alan Moore V for Vendetta, uh -huh. You might understand why he's pissed off, you know, especially with like the Watchmen movie. Yeah, um, big time. But like you know, Alan Moore didn't watch the Watchmen show, and uh, there was like another headline that came out recently that he meant that David Lindelof like sent him a letter, being like, "I'm the next bastard who's like ruining your like movie and something like that." <laughs> yeah. And and it's and it's just funny kind of seeing like what the what the modern pretentious nerd will say to the <laughs> older pretentious nerd. Um, and uh, Alan Moore just kind of being like, fucking whatever, I don't care about this shit. But uh, I do think, you know, f from his perspective, as someone who's not engaging with this stuff, who someone was like, kind of put on the pedestal without maybe even wanting to be, I can see why he has these opinions of just like, fuck all this, what are you guys doing? Because he still thinks that comic books are the same that they were in the 80s, his work being the only stuff that, people considered it adult. And I also think that it's really good that like he didn't write comic books. So they would be more adult. He just wrote. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I think that's like really cool that that still shines through where it's like, you know, and he was just like, I don't know why people were referring to me as that. That's not what I was trying to do. He's just like telling stories. Sure. And I think that's like, you know, kind of good in some way, but I do think, um, uh, I think the rise of fascism, fascism in a uh, modern culture, has been on the rise for uh, his entire life and our entire lives. <laughs> and I don't think that comic book movies have sped it up right. or slowed it down in any way. I think that, uh, you know, I think that's just a thing that is happening. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think, like you know, maybe being being trepidatious of a rise of media that's so piggybacks on our nostalgia is maybe something to think about yeah you know i think it brings up interesting points I, again like you know when alan moore talks i like to listen and i think that like even though i definitely don't agree with everything he's saying i do think that his like reflection on his life and his work is interesting and also like i think that 
<clears throat> we live in a time now where comic book writers are a bit more like respected and their stories are treated a bit more sacredly than obviously when he was doing it. Right. And, and I think that he got out of that game. It was on the fringes of it the entire time. So he is not super, you know, he doesn't know all the ins and outs of that stuff in this article. He doesn't have the internet. He says he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have like a computer. <laughs> he has an assistant that like sends him this stuff. Right. Like, you know, it's, you can't take his word too much as gospel when you're like that on the fringes of society, <laughs> but he's an interesting dude. He's a, he's a brilliant man. He has made some of the, you know, I do like, it is funny. Like, you know, I'm sure even when we've covered his, his books and adaptations, you know, we've talked about, it's like, yeah, when Alan Moore in the eighties was writing these, people were saying it's when comic books finally grew up. And I think it's, it's very interesting to see him like really push back against that. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. I, he doesn't really get into this argument in this article, but yeah, I do think that we should be careful about treating film. Film is not the superior storytelling machine. Sometimes yeah. it's really great. Sometimes things are better in their original format, for sure. But yeah. like with the Watchmen television show, absolutely in love. One of my favorite shows of all time, for sure. Do I still think Same. that Watchmen as a story is best in its comic book form? Yes, I do. I think that is the best way to tell that story, and I think Alan Moore nailed it. And so I I do think it's somewhat problematic that we have chosen to really like glorify film in this way, being like, well, of course it has to be a film now. Like adaptations have been around forever for sure. But sometimes there's yeah. the the superior way of telling a story, and sometimes that's not in film form. And so it's interesting that Alan Moore, I guess, I don't know if he's ever really talked about that, but in this article slash interview, he doesn't get into that. But I can totally see his point of view if he's like, yeah, I made this thing, and you guys need to stop trying to make it another thing, because it's already this. Yeah. And it's already, you know, at its best form, which, you know, I would agree with. But... I mean, he's, he said he loves comic books as a medium, yeah. you know, so like he, it seems like he's very enamored with the page yes. and from that perspective. I think the thing with Alan Moore's stories is that they are not easy to adapt. They're very yes. intricate and, you know, oftentimes literary as well as like graphic novels mm -hmm. and like, you know, he'll have like, you know, it, Watchmen's like, uh, it's almost like an infinite jest of comic books yeah. where it's like, you know, there's like subheadings within subheadings of stories within stories but they all relate but you but not obviously you have to kind of like put it together yourselves as the reader which is why when you get something like Zack Snyder's Watchmen movie oh. where it's just like aren't these guys cool you're like no they're not <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean like it's you know oh, yeah. I, get, I can get why Alan Moore is the most pissed about his adaptations compared to other people. Cause like, you know, other comic book stories that we've seen get ad adapted, you know, something like She-Hulk, I think is loose enough yeah. to where someone else can come in and shape it and morph it and make it into something that still communicates the, the natural essence of it. Right. Whereas like, you know, I don't think that, I think David Lindelof did such a good job with the show because he wasn't trying to, adapt the graphic novel he was trying to like continue it yes in a new way and i think that like i think if you made a v for vendetta show that took place after v for vendetta and it's about like natalie portman's character 
being the next V and maybe trying to like start a revolution in that way. You kind of make it like a little bit Mr. Robot, a little bit V for Vendetta. And it's like a series that would do way better than just doing like, we're adapting this. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's easier said than done. (laughs) Yes, it is. (sighs) All right. So the final story on the reel uh, is a fun one. I don't think it's going to take us too much time, but I just think it's a little goofy. Ahmed Best teases tell-all film. Uh, Ahmed Best is uh, maybe best known for his controversial role in the Star Wars prequel series uh, as Jar Jar Binks. And he just tweeted this out uh, on October 11th, 2022. It's a a front page of a screenplay called Untitled, which I think is funny. (laughs) Um, One Man Show... By Amid Best. And then in this tweet, he says, I think it's time for my version of how it all went down. Hashtag Jar Jar Binks. Hashtag Star Wars. Hashtag fandom. Hashtag the prequels. Hashtag one man show. Hashtag my story. Hashtag Darth Jar Jar. He also posted <laughs> on uh, Instagram. Uh, I think it's kind of like a Google search of this story. And uh, those headlines... He has one from a website called We Got This Covered. One of the most hated figures in Star Wars history is finally ready to tell their side of the story. Uh, there's going And then from Giant Freaking Robot, there's going to be a one-man show about Star Wars' worst character. And then in the Instagram caption, he says, uh, Best Ahmed says, or Ahmed Best says, quote hated, quote worst, quote cringeworthy, quote much maligned. I've been dealing with these words for nearly 25 years. Those of us who have given our lives and call ourselves artists know that this comes with the job. I wasn't prepared for this when hashtag Star Wars came out in 99. I wrote this show to help me deal with what my true feelings are about my entire experience, including what brought me to the edge. I'm very afraid to put this out there because of criticism like this, but I'm compelled to do it now because it's the job. Hashtag Jar Jar Binks. Hashtag The Phantom Menace. Hashtag the prequels. Hashtag one man show. Hashtag Darth Jar Jar. <laughs> Bernadette. Um, so you're gonna. So when this comes out to Broadway, are you gonna go see it? Yeah, man. <laughs> I would watch this. I I love Ahmed Best and his relationship with Star Wars. Um, yeah. I think he's great. Um, I think he's weathered the storm really well for the amount of shit he's gotten for being yeah, absolutely. part of those sequels or the prequel trilogy. It's a, uh, for being cast as something he didn't write. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone's giving shit for it. It's like, what do you mean? Right. Um, I, I listened to this podcast called newcomers with Nicole Byer and Lauren mm-hmm. Lapkus, and they do different series that they've never seen before. And they sit down and they, they watch it and then they talk about them. And they did, I think their first season was star Wars. And they had them. Had, neither of them watched Star Wars. Neither of them had seen like any like oh, major wow. Star Wars properties. Um, mm. Yeah, they've done Lord of the Rings. They've done the Fast and the Furious franchise. They've done um, Tyler Perry films. They're they're wild. They do a bunch of movies. They're really funny. But um, one of the yeah. last episodes in that first season where they did Star Wars, they had Ahmed Best on the podcast to talk. Nice. And yeah, it was so sad to hear him talk about. Just like how excited everyone was while they were making those movies and how he was really like at the forefront of mocap and 
they were really just kind of all developing that together for the first time. You know, it was like a new frontier for filmmaking and character building and how everyone was just so excited. And then to have the reaction that they got, is just heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of the set. I think, you know, him getting really dragged through the mud and then the, uh, the kid who played young Anakin in Phantom Menace is like one of the really sad stories of star Wars. And, you know, I don't think you get to see him have a second chance the way that Hayden Christensen just did in Obi-Wan and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of like one of the weird swept under the rug stories of Star Wars. You know, that kid had a, had a rough life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to include both the Twitter post and the Instagram post because the Twitter post, I was like, he's joking. And then the Instagram post, I'm like, he's serious. <laughs> so, so there's a real thing happening. I wonder, <clears throat> I think it's interesting because he hosted a star wars i think like game show for kids yeah um and so like you know he kind of like you, you see disney since acquiring star wars especially with the tv shows like kind of trying to make good with some of the prequel actors and being like hey you maybe got a rough shake before let's get you back and give you the right thing with um tomorrow morrison hayden christensen Amy mcgregor like just kind of giving them like another another shot or like another opportunity to what it is. And I think, you know, it's to varying successes. It's a black Adam scenario where I think, you know, audiences who just want fucking anything put into their, you know, when baby wants his bottle, baby likes the bottle, Mm -hmm. baby loves the bottle. And then you have some people who, you know, they, uh, they don't need the bottle. They're Mm grownups and they don't like this shit anymore. (laughs) So I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I'm interested in something that's been covered and he's talked about, I'm interested in what like a one man show of this would look like. Could it be like something that's like theater related? Does he want to do like a show or a movie? That's like a one man show. Does Disney shut it down? Do they co-sign it? Can they co-sign it? Do they just kind of let it happen? I think all that stuff is interesting to consider, but I would love like my dream for it is I do think it'd be most effective as a play. Yeah. And, like, an actual, like, one-man show, like, big production, and, like, I feel like that'd be really cool. But, yeah, I'm, 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 what, what, what would you want to see out of this project? What, what, like, what, what comes to mind when you read hashtag Darth Jar Jar, hashtag Jar Jar Binks, hashtag the prequels, hashtag Star Wars? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I like the idea of it being, like, a more intimate telling where he just tells stories mm. of, like, yeah. how exactly it all went down. Um did you ever hear the story about Michael Jackson wanted to play Jar Jar? I feel like I did hear that a long <laughs> time. I actually totally forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ahmed Best told this really funny story of how George Lucas like took him to Michael Jackson show and they went to this concert. It was great. They were like on like a secret balcony, like had really good seats, you know. And then afterwards, George introduces Ahmed to Michael Jackson. Well, first, Michael Jackson's, like, coming up to them, greeting them, because I think he, like, took his two nieces or whatever to go see the show. Sure. And, uh, Mm. yeah, like, he's doing – he's Michael Jackson. He's doing, like, the voice, you know. He's, like, in his character. Yeah. And George was like – Oh, Michael, this is Jar Jar Binks. And didn't introduce him as Ahmed. He introduced him as Jar Jar. And Michael Jackson, mm. like, immediately, like, his voice dropped. Dropped it. He, he like, <laughs> he, he was like, oh. Like, I don't know if he said, like, nice to meet you or whatever. But 
Abed yeah. was telling the story being like, yeah, he George Lucas brought me to that show just to like tell Michael Jackson personally, like, you're not getting hired for this role. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah, it's almost it's like no wonder Michael Jackson was fucking pissed. That's the way you find out. Yeah. It's like that's kind of fucking <laughs> shitty. <laughs> that's hilarious. So yeah, I would love wow. to just to watch a show of like stories like that. So just hearing about yeah. like the whole process of the making of the movie, maybe the fan reaction, maybe like the redemption arc at the end where yeah, he's hosting the search for the next Jedi or whatever that kid's show is called. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I yeah. like the dude. He seems like a good guy. I I am curious about the uh the Disney of it all. Like, like do they be like, all right, we'll let you do this unsanctioned project? Because I think if they stop it, that looks really shitty. Agreed. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, I and I only bring it up because just like you know licensing agreements, things like that. Like that's when the the waters get a little bit muddy. But I do think you know if it's like. Maybe there's some, like, legal loophole if it's, like, a personal project like that. Or they just, like, give it the blessing and they let it slide, you know? Yeah. Fuck this guy's life up enough. Um, For sure. We shall see. Burn, are you ready to uh, talk about what's coming out in November? Yes, I am. All right. So this is the part of the show. We have finished the news. There's no more fucking news. The news is over. No more news. We're done. But there is a little bit of things that are coming out next month. I'm going to run through a list telling you what movies are coming out next month and what shows are coming out next month. Not all the shows because there's a lot of TV that comes out and a lot of shit I don't care about. And a lot of, you know, it's like season five of The Good Doctor. I don't care about that. I don't care about season five of The Good Doctor. (laughs) And I don't know if that's coming out next month. And I don't even know what season it's on. Um, the good doctor's about he's the kid from he Patrick Bates is in that one, right? Yeah. Norman Bates. Yeah, he he will look like right. a child forever. Freddie Highmore. He will look like a child forever. But we're not here to talk it's about Freddie that. Highmore. <laughs> I'm here to talk about the movies yeah. coming out <laughs> next month. Uh what's coming out in November? Uh movies. On November first, we get close. On November fourth, we get Anolia Holmes 2 coming to Netflix. Causeway, Weird Al, the Al Yankovic story streaming i'm not sure where that one's coming um but it should be it is roku the roku channel roku get your rokus turn them on baby. get your free uh, week like subscription because everyone's gonna sign up yeah, for roku and then instantly ditch roku cancel that shit <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i'm gonna do good night oppie i'm totally fine coming to VOD and streaming nocebo the estate on november 11th black panther wakanda forever uh, the Fablemans, The Sun, on November sixteenth. The Wonder comes to Netflix on November eighteenth. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Disenchanted comes to Disney Plus. The Menu, which I'm extremely excited about. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. November twenty second. Blood Relatives comes to Shutter, and on November twenty third. Knives Out, Glass Onion. I think that's the theater release. I think it comes to Netflix later. So, uh, and I do think it's coming out, if you live in this area, in the New York area, uh, I do think it's coming to theaters around here, so, because you can buy your tickets now. And now here are the shows coming out next month. Uh, Blockbuster, coming to Netflix on November 3rd. Uh, Titans, season four, the show where they say fuck Batman, uh, comes out November 3rd to HBO Max. The Mosquito Coast, season two, premieres November 4th on Apple TV+. Mythic Quest Season 3 comes out November 11th to Apple TV+. Plus. The Santa the Santa Clauses 
comes out <laughs> November 16th to Disney+. Plus. Dead to Me series finale comes out November 17th to Netflix. Welcome to Chippendales comes out November 22nd to Hulu. Wednesday comes out November 23rd. I wonder if that is a Wednesday. It better be. It's Friday. Right? What the fuck? Comes out November 23rd to Netflix. I actually think it's a Friday. Find- <laughs> what did- is it a I Friday? So. so dumb. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Uh, and then Willow comes out November 30th to Disney+. Plus. Bernadette, anything on here uh, jazz you up? Jazz for any of this shit? I think Weird Weird Al is probably a big one for you. Yeah. Excited about that Weird Al movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Causeway looks interesting. Um, Yeah. I like the look of that. And, gosh, there was another one on that list that I was thinking of too. But, uh, oh, and The the Sun. The Sun looks very intriguing because I loved The Father from last year. Was that only a year ago? But yeah, is that are they, is that related or is just the same? Um, unknown for me at this point. I'm trying to not okay. look into it too much, but it's the same director writer. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and it looks like it's kind of told like thematically in the same way. So I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really try to avoid a lot of like trailers, you know, and what have you. Um, Unless I have to see uh, it I exactly kind of the same way. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. But yeah, that's a lot of good stuff coming out. Um, a lot on that yeah. list is very intriguing. Yeah, I think I'm... Uh, that movie Close, I think it's like an A24 movie. That one looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Wakanda Forever. Oh, yes, I'm excited. Yes. The trailers for that movie have all been killer. I'm very excited Agreed. for that. Uh, Fablemans, I think is cool. I think that's going to be a weird Steven Spielberg joint I'm here for. Uh, I'll, be, I'll not be watching Bardo. Yeah. I'm good on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the menu super so excited for the menu yeah that looks great i must see the menu i must see what's on the menu uh, um knives out obviously excited for uh they announced that Bino block is gay that's super cool they did announce that though did you hear about yes that? yeah okay cool are you said i'm like listen it's true okay <laughs> i think it's interesting Thank God. I, I don't know it's just why do we still do that let's just watch the movie and let the character be- absolutely queer like i don't know i, I don't know why that's it's like it, it reminded me of like ryan johnson doing i'm like are you being like jk rowling right now we're like and also by the way <laughs> it's like he's yeah, gay. it's like okay yeah it's like i think we could just like figure it out um but and then for like tv stuff um i'm not super excited i actually am kind of like in a, i have a bit of like tv blues because i feel like a lot of stuff just kind of ended i know um so I'm a little bit like, all right, I got to finish Andor. I got to catch up on Andor. I'm really liking Andor. I think it's really good. Um, but yeah, Blockbuster, I think I'm like, I kind of want to see. I'm behind a Mythic Quest, but I, that show is always curious to me. Uh, Welcome to Chippendales looks cool. Dead to, did you watch Dead to Me? Ever? I haven't watched I it the yet. First, like, you know, I, I watched like the first season and it's like one of those shows where you're like, I think this is bad, but I kind of like uh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> No, but I mean, like, that's cool. I mean, like, that's, like, cool. Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, it's very, like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, But, yeah, and then Wednesday, I'm not, like, I don't know, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, Yeah, Mythic Quest, when it's really good, it's really good. But then when it's just fine, it's just fine. I think I, like, got caught in in a valley after a peak in, like, season two, and I was like, you know... Yeah, I hear you. I, I didn't even like. I didn't even like make the decision like I'm putting it down for now. I just like didn't think to put it on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, well, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but I'll yeah, watch there it. are some the, the movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, movies are exciting. I think a lot of uh, you know uh, end of year top ten list contenders mm-hmm. are starting to pop up here. Uh, I've been thinking a lot like my list right now. I haven't like done a temporary list to see where I'm at. I should do that soon because it's going to be that time already, which is crazy. But I just feel like a lot of movies I've really dug this year are horror movies, which is like fine. But I kind of want to diversify you know the list a little bit so i'm hoping some of this stuff really pops off even though the menu i think is also a horror movie and um weird al i would i would love for weird al to be a top a top list guy i feel like it could be um and enola holmes too who knows <laughs> i never saw enola holmes the first one so. yeah me either i, I saw I some of the clips it. where like henry cavill's like laughing in a hallway uh-huh. i don't know if you ever saw that it's really good <laughs> <laughs> just doing what he does best. Anna sent it to me once. Yeah, just being Henry. Yeah, Gilles. for sure. Yeah, and that uh, Good Night Oppie looks like a really cool documentary. That's about the Mar. It's like a Mars Land Rover that like was supposed to like fucking not work like pretty immediately after its like trip to Mars that ended up like being on and working for like over a decade. So it's like a documentary about that, and I'm like, that's actually sounds like really cool. Um but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what pops up. Burn, what are you? What are you watching now? I know a lot of things just ended, but what's you're a big TV person? You host Castle Graycast, our TV podcast on the site. What uh, what's what's on your agenda lately? Yeah, I'm also kind of like a little bit in the TV blues because yeah, last night was the final episode of House of the Dragon, so watch that. House of the Dragon. I uh, just finished The Rings of Power last night too. We did like a bunch of fantasy last night. We were just fantasy yeah. crazy well those two those two were really you know competing for the mind share for a while for sure um yeah. i just finished bad sisters on apple tv plus which i highly recommend to everyone i think bad sisters Ooh, was great okay. but then Check i am slowly lamenting atlanta as it ends because it's in its final season i have to watch i actually am two seasons behind. oh dang because I've seen one and two, and this is three and four yeah. now, right? The fourth one is what's yeah. airing. So I have to watch three and then watch four. I'm kind of like, I kind of want it to wrap so I can kind of just do it. Yeah. Through it. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm really watching right now. And yeah, really, really loving this last season of Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Burn, you should watch Andor. I know, I, I know. That like is it. next on our list. Now that we're done with Rings yeah. of Power, we can commit to Andor is Andor is a good Star Wars show. I'm excited for that. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to fucking God, it's good. Um, what did you think of, uh, you know, with, without spoilies, people might still be watching it, but what did you think, especially House of the Dragon, but what did you think of the Lord of the Rings finale? What did you think of the House of the Dragon finale? Um, and I guess the series as a whole. What, what, did, what did you think? Yeah, I, I like them both for really different reasons. Um, yeah. I know that they were getting pit against each other as two fantasy shows that were being released at the same time, essentially. <laughs> So, right. of course, people were going to compare, but they're so wildly different, the two different shows. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked them both. I thought the finale of House of the Dragon, did you watch it last night? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, bold. Bold. To, like, that's the cutoff where they decided to end that that season is incredible. I, mean, I think I think it's I think it makes sense. I think it's just like, all right, the. The, the pieces are where they're going to be now. Yeah. And this is what's going on. So I was very, very impressed by the ending of that. And the acting is just phenomenal. I think Emma Darcy is killing it. They're awesome. They're so good at their yeah. job. Yeah, they all, they're all really good. And everything just feels very earned. Yeah. 
you know, like, and I think I really felt that way. Um, I think a few episodes ago, um, with Viserys and he's very old. Yeah. And I think that's my favorite episode of the season. And I think it's just like what really, you know, it really, it really cemented like how much I like the show. Because before I was like digging it week to week, I think I called it like, you know, a very high budget trashy soap opera, which I still kind of stand by. You're not wrong. But um, yeah, but I think that show, I think that episode really, it's like, it makes all the time jumps and all that stuff really like worth it. Because you get to have these moments where you're like, all right, it does feel like really earned. I do like it. And like, you know, I think time jumps use so repetitively, not repetitively, but use so much in a show like that. I was kind of worried that it kind of felt like. Or this was my opinion for a while, where I was like, it kind of just feels like a, it's like a cheap way to create narrative impact. But seeing the way that they do it and how much do they, they use it to earn like really big moments, I'm like, yeah, I'm like kind of softened on the, on the idea. Yeah, I love Rings of Power, but I do think that the, um, the season finale was a little bit clunky compared to the rest of the show. I could see that. And, yeah, I think yeah. that the the reveals are a little bit like. Here you go. And you're like, I don't know. We could have stretched it out. I don't know. Like, yeah. And they're not that surprising. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really, like, my only critique, and it, this is more of um, a comparison, is really the thing yeah. that the Rings of Power doesn't do for me, which is wild, is the music. I think the music is kind of lackluster in the Rings of Power, which sucks because obviously. It's not memorable. Yeah, yeah. The Howard Shore, Lord of the Rings, like, of course they can't use that because the projects aren't related. No. But mm-hmm. it's like the one thing that I'm just like, I can't believe it's uh, not grabbing me at all. <laughs> like this music in this yeah, show. I but. think I think it's serviceable in the moment, but it's not memorable. Right. You don't remember the music. Like I can't I can tell you what the Game of Thrones theme song is right now. Yep. I cannot tell I cannot like hum the tune of the Lord of the Rings theme. I, I couldn't do it either and I watched three episodes last night. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like duh. No, 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 it's not even that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Bernadette, thank you uh, so much for joining me for Stories Me Reports. I hope you had fun. I hope you liked it. I did have fun. Great. Yeah, good. it's a good time. Well, we're in a good time. We're not the only podcast on StoryScreen. StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host of many podcasts, articles, and reviews. So head over to our website to check out all of the amazing content that we do. Bernadette hosts a show called Catherine Raycast, which is our TV podcast uh she also hosts many a hot take she does a lot of stuff burn is there anything you'd like to plug while you're here no those are all really great plugs uh love that yeah i would just say storyscreenbeacon.com obviously scroll down to the bottom of that guy you'll see all of our icons click on those icons there you go hang out with us you'll find our stuff (laughs) Uh, I also don't have much to plug at the moment. Uh, I do think, you know, if you like this episode of the show, listen to the the last two episodes. They are also really cool. Time capsules for the news back in the day. Uh, So check that out. Uh, Burr and I did an episode of Hot Takes uh, that she hosted for Halloween Ends. So if you've seen Halloween Ends... You should listen to that. Or if you're on the fence and everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, man, it's so bad. It's so dumb. Maybe listen to two people talk about why maybe they, they think it's pretty good. Yeah. They think it's kind of good, this one. You yeah. Know? Maybe check that out. Maybe hear something positive in the space. I don't know. But uh, head over to our website to check out all, all that amazing stuff. We are planning on launching a Patreon. I know we said we'd do it this month. I think we all got really busy. I moved... And I've uh, been doing a lot of stuff. Bernadette's doing a lot of stuff. Mike's doing a lot of stuff. So we are still 
working on that. Hopefully we can get that at you soon so you can throw us some bucks, get some cool stuff. Um, but until then, I'm Robbie. I'm Bernadette. That's Bernadette. <laughs> and we will be back next month with more news. News, Goodbye. news, news. News, news. Bye. Yeah.